Exodus chapter number 2, begin our reading with verse number 11. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out into his brethren and looked on the burdens. And he spied an Egyptian, spotting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou did the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. You'll turn over to chapter number 3. Begin our reading with verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Skip down, if you will, for verse number 16. We're going to read two verses there. And this is God speaking. And he said, Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that, that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites. And the Hittites, and the Perizzites, the Amorites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. I want to preach that the Lord to help us. We can see in this story there were four directional calls that Moses experienced in his life. God called him out of Egypt, God called him into Midian. God called him up to Horeb, and then God sent him down into Egypt. And I want to preach, if the Lord will help me for a few moments, on the directional calls of the Christian. The directional calls of the Christian. Father, we love you tonight, and we ask now for the unction, for the anointing, for the empowerment of the Holy Ghost to rest upon me tonight. I need it. I pray that you would help us as we endeavor to deliver your word that you've laid upon our hearts tonight. I do a work in us and through us that only you can do. Speak to us now. Oh, God, we pray that you'd be glorified. We pray that you'd touch us around these altars. And we're going to be careful to give you the praise, honor, and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says amen. amen. And amen. The directional calls of the Christian. As I mentioned in the life of Moses, we see him called out, called in, called up, and sent down. And that's what I want to deal with tonight. Amen. The, the first call of, of, of Moses was to come out of Egypt. I don't have time to preach all of the background of Moses and, and what led up to this point in time in his life. But we know that Moses was born a Hebrew in the land of Goshen. He was raised. In the house of Pharaoh, the, the king over Egypt. And, 
And for the first 40 years of his life, Egypt was ingrained into him. He was powerful. He was political. He was positioned for increasing greatness. And for the first 40 years, he was educated in the best that Egypt had to offer. He had the, the best situation that a man could ask for. He had clout. He had power. He had the name. He had anything that he wanted at his disposal. He was cultured in the leading uh, cultural center and hub of the day. But we know that while that is what the natural man craves and longs for, even now in this physical world, God had an altogether different plan for the life of Moses. God had a, had a different plan. The, the natural man of Moses would have been just fine sitting in Pharaoh's house and living the life of the rich and the famous, living the life of luxury until the day that he expired and, and, and the day that he breathed his last breath and just being numbered in the house of Pharaoh. That, that's a, a life that 99.999% of this world desires. But on the inside of him. Moses knew that he was born for a different purpose. He knew that he was born for, for something different. And the, the point came into his life. When he chose to suffer the afflictions of the righteous. Than to endure the pleasures of sin for a season. He chose to be counted among the righteous and to be counted among the people. You see, all of this was God's plan being fulfilled in his life. But for Moses to reach his potential and for Moses to reach his God-given calling and his God-given destiny, he had to get out of Egypt. As long as he had stayed in Egypt, he never would have become the man that God created him to be. As long as he had stayed in the house of Pharaoh, he would have given himself uh, probably over to Egyptian gods, Egyptian mythology, Egyptian uh, religion, Egyptian system, the culture of his day uh, would have won out. Uh, but we can find difficulty uh, when he uh, cast his lot with the people of God, uh, when he smote the Egyptian that was uh, afflicting his people, when he, uh, when he chose to suffer rather the afflictions of the righteous than to continue enjoying the pleasures of sin for his season. Moses was faced with a difficult situation. He was faced with a difficult decision. Do I want to stay in Egypt where it's likely going to cost me my life? Or is it time to come out of Egypt? Is it time to flee? This was a moment of difficulty and this was a moment of decision that would have lasting and eternal consequences not only for the life of Moses, but for an entire nation of people. Amen. Our choices that we make in life oftentimes does not impact just us. But the choices that we make, it impacts our family. It impacts those around us. It impacts our church. It impacts everything and everybody that is around us. Amen. So this moment of trouble led him to decision. But how many of you know as Brother Don Brinkle preached many years ago, trouble isn't trouble if it leads you closer to God. 
Trouble isn't trouble at all if it leads us to the place, amen, that God would have for us. You see, Egypt always has been and always will be a representation of the world and its system. But the trouble in Moses' life, it led him out of that. It led him out of the world system. It led him out of the world's clutches. It led him out of the world's civilization and led him amen, out into a life, amen, that a purpose that God has for him. Amen, you hear me? The Christian calling always begins with God calling you out of Egypt. That's the origin of it all. Moses had to come out of Egypt, which represents the world in sin, the same way that the beginning origins of a Christian walk with God always starts with coming out of that world, coming out of the worldly system, coming out of the world's culture. You see, God is still calling men and women out of Egypt today. He has called us out of darkness to walk into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. The call is still being issued to come out amen, from among the world and to be separate. To come out of the clutches of the worldly system and scheme. To come out of the worldly culture. Amen. We're not to live our lives dictated by this culture. Amen. We're to live our lives above culture because when we're born again, the culture of heaven now has reigned over us. I'm not letting my life be dictated by the culture of this world but I'm letting the culture of an eternal God the culture of an eternal kingdom chart the course for our lives he's calling us to come out of Egypt to come out from where we were amen into his life of purpose and fullness Moses' purpose could never have been realized if he would have stayed in Egypt. Moses couldn't deliver God's people from Egypt the same way that a lost man cannot deliver another lost man from Egypt today. Brother Eddie preached that message. Uh, I guess it may have been a couple years ago now, the qualities of a seawalker. He made a statement that, that has hung with me to this day. Two drowning men can't save one another. Two lost people can't save one another. It's going to take somebody coming out. It's going to take somebody coming out. Amen. And having the life of Christ imputed unto him. God had to call Moses out the same way that God is still calling men and women out of Egypt today. The next progressive step when God called him out of Egypt, he led him into Midian. Midian is the antithesis of Egypt. If you were to put Midian and Egypt on a scale, they would be polar opposites of one another. You could not get any more vastly different from Egypt than Midian. For you see, when Moses was in Egypt, the, the world power of his day, he was a ruler. Everything was at his disposal. But notice what happened when he went to Midian. He became a shepherd. He began to watch his father-in-law Jethro, his flock, 
He went from the highest position on the totem pole in the world's eyes to the absolute lowest. You see, in these days, shepherds, they didn't have necessarily a caste system, but you were oftentimes given trades by your smarts. Shepherds, it did not require a whole lot of smarts to be a shepherd. You just had to watch sheep and you had to watch out for predators that would come in. Nobody desired the office of a shepherd. And as a matter of fact, everybody else that was higher above them on the ladder, they looked down on the shepherds. They were inferior. They were the lowest of the low. Uh, they were uh, had no clout. They had uh, no uh, uh, attributes that any would be uh, desired. Uh, and so Moses here, uh, he leaves uh, uh, the, the, the Pharaoh's house. Uh, amen. He was a prince over Egypt. Uh, had all the power at his disposal uh, to submit himself to being the lowest uh, on the totem pole. Uh, the lowest rung on the ladder. Uh, Egypt was known for its infrastructure for its uh, 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 education system of the day. Uh, it was known for its modern marvels. Midian was nothing but sand in the backside of the desert. No infrastructure. There were nomadic people that lived in tents. He literally traded the palace for a tent. To put it into perspective, Midian is, modern, is in the modern day desert of Saudi Arabia where the temperature can get 120 degrees in the noontime sun. And the, in the night, it can be frigid cold. Great parallels and great extremes. Midian's name in the Hebrew means a place of great strife. Internally, you had to know that there was strife going on in the psyche and in the mind of Moses. One day he's a ruler in Egypt and the next day he is the lowest class and the lowest hottest place on earth. Amen. But you have to realize that he was just as much in the will of God going into Midian as he was coming out of Egypt. God ordained this moment and this place in time in his life just like he ordained the first 40 years of his life. He spent the first 40 years in Egypt. He spent the next 40 years in Midian. And this was a necessary step within the life of Moses. Midian is difficult. It's barren. It's hot. It's not comfortable. But for Moses, it was a place of emptying. Because for him to become the man of God, God that God purposed and designed him to be. He had 40 years of Egypt that had been ingrained into who he was and what he was going to be. It took God 40 years to get all of Egypt out of him. It took 40 years for him to be filled up with Egypt. It took God 40 years in Midian to get all of Egypt out of him. Oh, I can tell you, nobody wants to go to the place of emptying. Nobody wants to go to 
into the barren desert and wasteland. But just as much as it was the will of God for Moses, oftentimes it is the will of God for us to go to the place of uncomfortableness, to go to the place where it seems like it's hot and it's barren and there's not much fruit. Listen, as much of the world as we have ingrained into us, sometimes God, like he did with Moses, he's got to get all of that out of us, not to be difficult, amen, not to be a taskmaster, but to make us into the vessels that he would have us to be. It was necessary for Moses to go through Midian the same way it's necessary oftentimes for us to go to the place of barrenness, amen, so God can forge us into the vessel that he would have us to be. You see, Moses, he tried to be a deliverer in Egypt his own way. And it almost got him killed. God said, son, I'm going to make you a deliverer, but you're not going to be able to do it your way. Moses, this isn't Burger King. You can't always have it your way. You're going to have to do things my way. You're going to have to submit to my will. Moses, I, I'm ultimately going to use you, but I first got to make you usable. You're going to have to submit to me. Midian taught him submission. Midian taught him, amen, the place of dependent upon God. Hallelujah. Amen. For us, amen, we oftentimes try to do things our way. Amen. And God says you might have the best of intentions, but you do things your way. Amen. You're going to get yourself killed. Amen. You're going to die a young spiritual death. But if you'll go by Midian, you'll let me empty you out of your thought process. Let me empty you out of what you think and let me put into you what I know. I'll make a great, amen, man of God out of you. Listen, there may be dry seasons that we go through just like Moses went through the dry seasons at Midian but it could be that God is forging us for a higher eternal purpose Amen. nobody likes the Midian moments in our life but sometimes it is a necessity because we learn more in Midian when it comes to trusting in God than we ever will in the pleasures of Egypt God calls us out of that and he calls us into the place where he can pour himself into us. For that to happen, he's got to empty us out. He's got to empty us out. Hallelujah. He's got to empty us of us so that we could be filled with him. He called him out. He called him into this place in Midian. And it was in Midian that God called him up. Hallelujah. It was in this place, the third directional call, God called him up to Horeb. The Bible tells us while Moses was keeping the flock of Jethro, his father, and all the priests of Midian, he led his flock to the backside of the desert and come to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. Moses was in the backside of the desert in Midian in a low place and he looked up and he saw 
this burning bush. I, I did some studying on, on this several years ago. Did some studying on where Moses was in Midian. And to where he climbed to the top of Oreb. Now there's a Greek monastery where supposedly the burning bush was. And from the trek to go from uh, the, the low desert place to the top of the mountain of, of Oreb. They've got a pathway now. They've got stairs that you can walk up. They've made the terrain a lot more hospitable. But still today it would take you about two to two and a half hours to get from where Moses, they say, was in the desert of Median to get to the top of Mount Oreb. I've already mentioned where this is, the arid places of Saudi Arabia where the temperature can get up to 120 degrees in the day. Even if Moses had the luxury of steps and an easy path, you'd probably be like me in 120 degree heat. Somebody tells you you've got to walk two hours to get to the top. I'm out on that. But the fact is Moses didn't even have the modern luxury. Commentaries say he literally had to climb the face of the mountain to get to where the bush was burning. He had to climb. Now, it's a whole lot more than two hours and he's climbing up the face of a mountain and probably 120 degrees. It cost him something to get to where the bush was burning. It, it, it cost him something to get to, to where uh, the, the fire and to where the Lord uh, was. Uh, nobody was climbing with him. This was a personal climb. This was a lonely climb. This was an agonizing climb. But I can tell you folks, it was a defining climb. I mean, this was a climb that forever defined his life. When he, when God saw the heart of Moses, he looked at him and it was then that he issued the call. Could God have called him in the comfort of the valley? He could have. Amen. But sometimes God wants to know how much and how bad we really want him. Sometimes God wants to know, are you willing to pay the price? I have to imagine that there were many Shepherds in the desert that saw the bush that was burning. I have to believe that that being on a mountain peak, there were many individuals that had to be curious as to what the fire was. Why? There was a flame burning on top of the mountain, but it wasn't spreading. It did not consume the landscape around it, but it was just confined. That had to be a focal point on people's minds. But while many people thought the thought on only one man was willing to climb the climb. Oh, hallelujah. While many people say uh, we need revival, uh, there's only a chosen few that's willing to pay the price uh, and climb the mountain of God uh, to have revival. Uh, while there's many that admonishes we need uh, a touch of God, uh, there's only a few uh, that's willing to pay the price and do something about it. Uh, God's looking for a Moses uh, that's willing to come up, uh, to leave the comfort and ease, uh, to leave the place uh, of complacency. Oh, God, help us tonight. Uh, that's willing to climb uh, the mountain of God to inquire of the Lord. Oh, he's looking for a Moses in this day that's not just willing to come out and to go in, but that's willing to elevate their standard of living and come up to where he is.
great delineating factor in our day. Most people want to just be average and to blend in. Listen, you'll never encounter the blessings of the Lord until you go up to where He is. Until you leave your place of comfort and complacency. Oh, and you climb the lofty pride, the heights of the presence of the Lord. Listen, the common lukewarm pew warmer won't make the climb because it'll cost him their comfort. The worldly man is too enamored with the goings on of this world to be bothered. The sinner man has no desire. But like Moses, there's going to be some times where you're going to have to climb right by yourself. But you hear this preacher tonight. As lonely as it may be, amen, the presence of God is always worth the climb. Hallelujah. When you behold the face of God Almighty and you sense and know His presence and His splendor and His majesty, you'll never regret a step. You'll never regret a moment that you spent on your face in prayer. You'll never spent regret the time that you spent climbing the mountain of God. Amen. He is always worth the climb. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord is what David asked. He that has a clean hands and a pure heart. Revelations 4, John. After I looked and behold, a door was open in heaven. The first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me which said, Come up hither and I will show thee the things that must be, after, that, uh, must be hereafter. John never would have received the fullness of the revelation that God had intended to show him if he would have stayed in his comfort zone on Patmos. But there's going to be times where God elevates your point of view. God says, why don't you come up hither with me? Oh, Moses, why don't you, why don't you climb up? I've got a plan. I've got a purpose for you that's, that's about to, to be revealed, that is about to unfold if you're just willing to pay it. The price, if you just want to listen, amen, how many th blessings of God and how many times have we messed out on divine visitations of God because we have been content in our comfort zone and in our complacency and we've missed out on great invitations to climb the mountain, to get into his presence, to pay the price and spend with him in prayer. Oh, God, help us tonight. Amen. There's times where we've got to answer the call to come up, amen, to rise above, amen, to realize that God is altogether higher than us. His thoughts are higher than us. His ways are higher than ours. His presence is higher than we are. And if we expect to receive Him in His fullness, we can't be content staying where we are. But spiritually, we've got to rise above the fray and get alone with where He is. The directional calling to come up is altogether higher than us. We must be willing to ascend this hill. Listen, there's going to be times where God by His Spirit comes down. But there's a much higher time when God is going to call individuals up. I'm going to say that again. There's times where God comes down by His presence. But more times than not, He's going to call us up. Come up. Rise up. Amen. I don't have time to get into all of that tonight. But you are more apt to receive from God when you're willing to rise up above your comfort zone 
then you will if you're just dead set on staying in it. Amen. Moses climbs the mountain of God, climbs over up, sees the burning bush. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, he said, here am I. Could God have called him in the desert, in the valley? He could have. That's not how God operates. He called Moses up. And out of this, in verse number five, notice what he says. When Moses climbed the mountain, God's talking to him out of the bush. He hears the voice of God. He is surrounded by the holiness of God. God spoke to him and said, Draw not nigh hither, but put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. God brought this scripture to my mind several weeks ago. God began to talk to me out of this verse. When Moses was standing at the top of that mountain, there was only one thing separating him from the holiness of God. Only one thing. That was his shoes. And the Lord said, son, don't you take another step. But take off the shoes that you have on your feet. Because the place that you're standing is holy ground. You see, God wanted Moses to remove every barrier between Moses and his holiness. He wanted Moses to remove every obstacle, to remove every hindrance, to remove everything that would separate him from the divine holiness and the divine presence of God. And I can tell you, folks, that is still the same desire of God today for every barrier to be removed that stands between God and man. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel him in the house tonight. To remove everything that separates us from him. And notice what he said. He told Moses, he said, Moses, you take your shoes off your feet. God didn't do it for him. I got one right and one hallelujah and two head nods. Amen. God didn't take off his shoes for him. Could God have reached out with his hand and took off his shoes? He could have. But listen, sometimes God wants you to remove the barriers. Sometimes God uh, wants you. Yes, there's sins uh, that he has to remove as far as the east is from the west. Uh, yes, there's some uh, things that he takes away from us. Uh, but then there's some other things that he wants us to lay down. You want to know what separates uh, most men uh, from the holiness of God? Uh, I can tell you what it is. is what they're not willing to lay down. It's what they're not willing to let go of. Amen. There was a woman that, that came to an old man of God one time. She was full of the devil. She comes down. He begins to cast devils out of her left and right. He watches them flee. Watches them leave as he's commanding them. And he said that last time the Lord dealt with him. Amen. There's a demon of nicotine in her. And I'm not getting off on all of this. Amen. But he commanded her. Amen. He's commanded that spirit that was in her. He said, you demon of nicotine, I command you to come out in the name of Jesus. Amen. And all of a sudden that, that thing began manifesting itself. Amen. And he didn't have any power over that particular spirit. And he commanded again and said, come out. And that spirit that was in her began to cry out, I can't come out she won't let me 
You see, there's some things, there's some spirits, amen, that we've got to get rid of ourselves, that we've got to lay down ourselves. If we've not, amen, yes, there's things that God can take from us. And yes, there's things that God will help us with. But God is never going to override your free will. If you want to hang on to it, amen, he'll let you hang on to it. But don't expect to get God in his fullness. Don't expect to experience God in the fullness of his majesty, in the fullness of his splendor. If there's something in your life that's bigger than him, I don't know how I got up on that rabbit trail. Amen. We'll knock in the head in a minute and have rabbits too. But I can tell you it's right preaching. Moses had to take off his own shoes. He had to remove the own barrier that separated him from the holiness of God. But when the barrier was removed, when Moses unstrapped those shoes, he received the greatest revelation of God that any man had received up to that point. Because he asked God the question. He said, Lord, who are you? Who am I to say that you are? And the Lord spoke to him and said, I am that I am. You see, up to that point, Abraham, Adam, Enoch, Noah, Methuselah, Joe, all of them knew God by the name Elohim, which means sovereign creator, which means the orchestrator or the originator of life. It means the uh, originator that should be worshipped. But when Moses stepped in the fullness of God's holiness, God revealed to him his name. He said, my name is the I Am. My name is Jehovah. I'm Jehovah Jireh. Hallelujah. I'm Jehovah Rapha. I'm Jehovah Nisi. I'm Jehovah Shalom. I am that I am. In the original Hebrew, that word Jehovah is interpreted in the English, the I am that I am. But in the Hebrew, it is a rightly phrased, I will be that I will be. You see, Moses received a greater revelation when he saw God, when God revealed to him his personality and his personal name. And he said, son, I am that I am. Amen. I am whatever you need me to be. Hallelujah. My name is whatever you need it to be. I am your healer. I am your redeemer. I am your savior. I am your baptizer. Amen. Whatever you need in life, boy, I am yours. Hallelujah. And I I will be whatever you need. Amen. This phrase has a, 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 a connotation to the Trinity to it. When you really get down to the Hebrew, there's three parts to this. When you say I am that I am, amen, it's broken down into three parts. I was what I was. I am what I am. And I will be what I will be. Hallelujah. My past, my present, and my future, it all speaks to my glory that I hold eternally in my hand my God and boy whatever you need I am that and whatever you need tomorrow I will be that I am the all sufficient God I am the all supreme God I am that I am holy was I yesterday holy will I be today and holy I'm gonna be throughout all of the ages
ages. Uh, Moses knew him uh, as the great I am uh, that I am. Hallelujah. He never would have received that revelation down in the valley. He never would have received the revelation if he hadn't taken the shoes off of his feet and fully embraced the holiness of God. But when he paid the price, when he climbed the mountain, when he left his comfort zone, when he removed all of the barriers that surrounded him, amen, he received the revelation of God in his fullness. Who God is and what he desires to do. Listen, Moses got to the point that God wants to get every man is his name Elohim, creator, sovereign? God, absolutely, he is all of those things. But he wants your relationship and your identity in him to go so much further than just being the great creator. But he wants to reveal himself to you as the I am that I am. As the Lord. As Redeemer, hallelujah. Amen. He calls us all up to the place of intimacy and knowledge to know who he is. And to receive this revelation and this fullness, we have to be willing to leave the plane of our understanding and climb to his dimension of divine knowledge. Hallelujah. Amen. Of who he is and what he can do. And to receive that revelation, you've got to come out, you've got to go in, and you've got to come up. It's the directional call of the believer. And every believer coming out of Egypt, going into Midian, the place of submission, going up to the mountain of God, to embracing him and his holiness. But then there was one final call that came up. You see, when you receive this revelation... To whom much is given, much is going to be required. And I've been living this life long enough to know that you cannot live on the mountaintop forever. But you can have what you found on the mountaintop forever. And that's what Moses had. He couldn't stay on the top of the aura forever. God had a different plan for him. But he never let go. Of the God that he found. Listen, you can't dwell on the top of a mountain all the days of your life. But the God that you find on the mountain, you never have to let go of his hand. Because the same God that led you to the mountain, he will lead you back to the valley. He told Moses, the son, I believe Moses might have been like Peter and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. Let's just build a temple and let's stay here forever. I said, no, boy. The groanings of my people have come up before me. I've heard their cries. I've seen their afflictions. And I'm sending you back down the mountain with a plan. You're going to rescue and deliver my people. You see, after Moses went up, God called him back down in the service. He called him back down in the trenches 
And he says, you go and you gather all the elders of Israel together. You tell them the Lord God of your fathers appeared unto me. I visited you, seen that which is done in Egypt. He said, I'm going to bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. Notice he had to go back down to get to Egypt, to get to where they were. But God told him, he said, boy, when you get down to Egypt, notice what it says. You're going to bring my people up out of their affliction. Sometimes, church, God is going to lead you back down so that you can help carry other people back up. You see, what God does in us, he wants to replicate that a thousand times over in this world. The directional calling of the believer, the same pattern that he had in Moses' life. God brought him out. God brought him in. God brought him up. God said, that was the same plan that he unfolded into the nation of Israel, brought them out of Egypt, brought them into a desert place. Where do they spend 40 years wandering around in the wilderness? Took 40 years. The same way it took 40 years for God to get Egypt out of Moses, it took 40 years for him to get Egypt out of his people. God called him up into a land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land. Hallelujah. And that plan, God sent him back out. Amen. To bring people back to the saving knowledge of who he is and what he can do. The directional calling of the believer is the same plan for each and every one of us. Amen. This is the same desire of God. Riley, if you'll come help me tonight, I'm done. Amen. When we receive the revelation of who God is to us, His plan and His purpose will be revealed exactly like it was for Moses. And when He gets done with us, when we receive Him in His fullness, the same way He sent Moses back out, He's going to send you out. He's going to send us out to do and to accomplish His will. And it's going to be a repetitive cycle that's going to be repeated over and over and over again. Discipleship 101. What God does in us, He desires to do through us. Hallelujah. So other people can receive the same revelation that you received of who God is and what He can do. Amen. The directional call tonight. I mean, I don't know where you may be. You may be in Egypt. God wants to call you out. You may be holding on to things, living a lifestyle. That you know it right. God will never get anything out of you until you first get out of Egypt. God's ultimate plan will never come to pass until you're willing to leave Egypt and follow wholeheartedly out of Him. You may have left Egypt, but you may be in that median place where there's still things God's got to get out of you. There's still things that you, you, you've got to be emptied of. There's an internal strife going on. Amen. There's that, that meeting is a place of strife and there's that internal battle left in limbo wondering which way to turn, which way to go. Just as much as God ordained Egypt, He ordained Midian for you to realize that that strife has to die. That the ultimate plan of God must come to pass. And when you get to the place where you need to be there, God's going to call you up. God's going to call you up. To remove everything between you and him. Where he can talk to you. Where you can receive him and his, his revelation and his fullness. 
and then he's going to send you back down and out to find somebody else. Amen. To allow God to do in them what he's done in you. To be the Moses of this generation. I don't know where you may be on that journey. But I do know this. God's calling. God's calling. He's not just calling your neighbor. He's not just calling your spouse, your children. Your gra- he's calling you. Amen. This is a progressive walk for every man to follow. Amen. And follow it we must. That the will of God may be completed and done in us. That the will of God may be done in us as it is in heaven. Amen. Let us find a place to pray right